say, well, Brother Chris, we were talking about the marks of a true Christian. We were, um, but occasionally on the last Sunday of the month, I will preach a psalm, and so the next psalm in my list to preach would be Psalm 24, so that's where we're going to go today, and I'm thankful that we have. And so I want to start this morning, and I simply want to ask you a very simple question, not looking for you to answer it out loud, but i like for you to take a moment of reflection and answer it within your own heart and mind, and that is this, why are you here this morning? Why are you here this morning? Why did you come to church? You know, over the years, I've, I've asked that question. I've, I've read about that question. There are various answers. Some people say, I came to worship Jesus. Some people, they come to be seen. Some people come to be encouraged. Some to be taught. Rarely, if ever, have I ever heard somebody say, well, I came to have my toes stepped on. But that's what it should be. It should be a combination of all of those things, right? As we come into worship, we come, and, and there's some here that they're carrying a heavy load. They're carrying a burden. There's some that had a great week and are thankful for what God has done. And there, there are others of you in here this morning, if we were to take a poll and, and give you guys a moment to have an open mic, as they say, you might could testify that, you know, that you, you need the Lord, that you need him to show up and to show out. And so this morning, as we dive into Psalm 24, I want you to see three main things about this particular psalm. So let's look at that together. Psalm 24, it's a psalm of David, the king of glory. Ten verses. So let's read this together. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. He who has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and who does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. So first and foremost this morning, I want you to see that this passage actually is broken into the three slides that you just kind of saw us read from. And so the first thing that I want to just kind of give you something to ponder this morning as we talk about Psalm 24, as we come to worship the King of glory, it's a time to remember. When we come to church, it's a time to remember. It's a call to remember. It's a cry 
to remember. I really couldn't settle on which word I wanted to use, right? They're all, they all are pretty good words. But a time to remember. Why do, why do we say that? Because David starts this psalm and he says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. He has formed it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. And so what I thought about as I read that, I'm thankful for men of God and women of God, but especially the men of God in my life that have been around me. And I had one, his name was Buster Coker. And just over 10 years ago, I actually had it on my calendar. I got invited to preach the first time ever on Sunday morning. And the Lord took me to the metropolis of Olanta, not Atlanta, but Olanta, South Carolina, to a Pentecostal holiness church. My connection with Buster was he and I attended school together at Covington Theological Seminary at First Baptist Church in Turbyville. So he invited me to preach, and here in this block building that had been a gun shop and a pool hall was now turned church. And so I'll never forget that was the first Sunday I ever had the opportunity to preach. But the reason I'm telling you about Buster is I'm thankful for that opportunity he gave me. Amen. And I hope that I've grown as a believer, but also as a, as a preacher and teacher since that time. I'm thankful for that opportunity the Lord sent through him. But one thing I'll never forget as I read this psalm is Buster and how he prayed. Every time in class when they asked and called on Buster to pray, he would begin his prayer and he would say, Lord, you are the creator of the heaven earth and seas and everything in them. He was praying scripture. Because what do we see? Psalm 146, verse 6, he's the maker of the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, and he remains faithful forever. See, I I just want to remind you this morning as a time to remember that we're to pray scripture like Buster did. So when I read, when I began to study and just sit down with this psalm and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what do you want me to see? Because what's interesting about studying the psalms is sometimes there's not a whole lot, right? It depends on your study Bible or it depends on where you're at. There's not a whole lot of information that could be gathered. And so this one's in particular, you know, I just had to sit with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you need me to see? And that was a reminder. A reminder that he is the maker of the heaven, the earth, and sees everything in it. Genesis 1.1, God, in the beginning what? God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, we're to believe scripture from the beginning to the end, the bookends of that. It's all about God and his creation and his glory. But as I think about this this morning as well, I think about this. If, if, if he is indeed, he's made everything, right? The earth is the Lord's then what we need to remember is this simple fact, that God owns it all, we're just managers. Right? When we come to our time of giving every week, it's His. He's blessed us with everything that we have. He's just allowed us to borrow that. And so as we give, we give back a portion of how He is what? Richly blessed us. For He loves a cheerful giver. I think about... Over in Acts, what are we told about God and him owning everything? The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. This is Paul as he's testifying. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So as we look this morning, it's a time to remember. As we come this morning to worship, as we study Psalm 24, we need to be reminded that we're here to be reminded. That we're here this morning to remember who we're worshiping. 
who we're serving. He doesn't need us to serve him. He can glorify himself. As scripture even says, the rocks will cry out. But isn't it beautiful that he, he saved us and he saved us for a purpose. And as we think about being saved, you know, I was having a conversation with myself yesterday about a situation and, and thinking through someone in, in their life. And I began to think about, I don't really know their testimony, right? And I've tried to have a conversation with them, but just age and, and stroke and just mental capacity, they don't, they don't remember that. But in that moment, as I was processing that through, the Lord reminded me of this. That when, as just like that song, as the songs that we sing, that when, when we meet Jesus, our lives change. Our directions change. And so for this one person, as I was just kind of struggling through to say, okay, I know they serve the Lord. I know they love the Lord. I don't know their, pers- I don't know their testimony. I wish I did because it's someone who's near and dear to me. But then I thought about that there was a heart, there was a shift in their heart and what they did. And there should be in each of our lives. So not only is it a time to remember, but in verse 3, we see that it is a time to reflect. A time to reflect. Look with me in verse 3. A very interesting question that David asked. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? I think as I was studying this, I was reminded that this is one of the questions in the Old Testament that is very pivotal that all of us, that all of us must answer. Jesus asked a question in the New Testament, which is beautiful. And I'm going to ask you this this morning. So I'm going to, you were going to preach on this, but I'm going to give you some homework, if you will, of something to think of. Jesus asked, he says, who do you say that I am? Not who do they say that I am, but who do you say that I am? Because guess what? We all have to answer that question. We will one day at least. And I pray that we answer it now in the here and now so that we can figure out who God has created us to be, to be used for his glory and to point people to him. But in in the Old Testament, here we see who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy Place. I just want to very quickly give you four thoughts to ponder, four qualifications of who can ascend to the hill of the Lord, who can stand in his holy place. It's right here. The text answers the question for us in the next verse. Verse 4, what? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and who does not lift up his soul to what is false and who does not swear deceitfully. Four qualifications of who can stand before the Lord. And so first, I want you to see this morning that that clean hands, it's the first two, this this first portion of verse 4, clean hands and a pure heart, that's about purity, about purity. Clean hands, it's about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the outside. It's about our actions. What are we doing with our hands? James calls us and he says what? That we're to not just be hearers of the word, but we're to be what? Doers. That includes our hands. That includes our feet. This morning, David is reminding us it is those who have clean hands that can stand before the Lord. I I, I ran across um, some information that was written by 
J.C. Ryle. He was an Anglican bishop from Liverpool, England. And listen to what he had to say. Above all, so it's we're, as we're, as a time to reflect for each of us. It's, it's not, see, when you come, it, it's personal. God has something this morning that he wants to speak to each and every one of you. Right? As I, as I was asking that question, why do we come to church? Sometimes we come to church. Why? We come to church because we were drugged to church. We come to church because it's just what we do. We're going through the motions, but I believe wholeheartedly that as we come, if we come with the right heart and with the right mind, that the Lord wants to speak something to each and every one of us as we study his word and through his spirit. So listen to what Ryle said. He says, above all, let us pray for a deeper sense of our own sinfulness, guilt, and undeserving. This, after all, is the true secret of a thankful spirit. It is a man who daily fills his debt to grace and daily remembers that in reality he deserves nothing but hell. This is the man who will be daily blessing and praising the Lord. What an interesting thought. Right, when you when you realize and you remember what you've been forgiven, how much he has forgiven you, why do we struggle with forgiveness? Of all our Heavenly Father has forgiven us, why do we struggle with that? I struggle with it too. But as I think this morning, as he says, clean hands and a pure heart, you know what? I go to something else that we know in the Psalm. Psalm 51, verse 10. What? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, what's beautiful, what's beautiful about this is, is when you remember things like that, when you go to look it up, when you go back to that passage, I encourage you, like I do, to, to have a copy of God's Word that you, can, that you can mark in, that you can underline. And I know that some people, that's like, oh, that's an abomination to underline in God's Word. I don't think so. You know why? I, I, I like underlining and, and marking my copy of God's Word. You know why? Because sometimes I'll be between a meeting or, or I'll be waiting on Chandler at the golf course or something, and I'll have my copy of my Bible, and I'll open it up, and I'll just start thumbing through and rereading some of the things that I've underlined, some of the things that I've highlighted. And you know what God does? He challenges me. He blesses me all over again. Because I don't know about y'all. Can y'all remember everything that you read and everything that you hear? No. We forget. We're, we're broken vessels. We, we leak. And so we forget things and we need to be reminded. But the reason I, I remind you this morning about marking in your copy of God's Word is here in Psalm 51. As I went back to look at that, I'm reminded as we look at the whole chapter of what we see. And there in verses 1 through 4, we see these. Have mercy on me, O God, according to what? Your steadfast love. Listen to the listen to the heart. Listen to the heart of the psalmist. Listen to what he's saying. How rich this text is. This is David after he's been challenged from Nathan, the prophet, after he had his affair with Bathsheba. And so he's had, he's saying, Lord, have mercy. On me, we could have underlined that word, right? According to what his love, yeah, but his steadfast love, according to his what abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know, oh, look at verse three. Can anybody else testify this this morning? For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. 
Verse 4, again, you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You know, I think this morning as, as I was reading, and it's fascinating as, as, as I study Scripture, as, as I try to learn and grow as a believer, as, as a human being, it's funny how sometimes you can get on these endless rabbit holes, right? That's, and people say that studying Scripture is boring. No, it's not. Like, I mean, I'm studying this, and so he takes you over here to the Psalms, and he takes you to the New Testament, he takes you over here. And so, like, I began to think about these, uh, these, the pure heart. So let me go back to that. What He says, what, that we're to have clean hands and a pure heart. And so as we think about that pure heart, that's what's on the inside. That's what's on the inside of us. Our thoughts and our intentions, our motives are to be pure. And words are part of this. You'll hear about this in a minute. But I ran across this. I was looking up a quote. So I want to remind you guys this morning to watch, that we need to be watchful. What do we need to watch? We need to watch our words. We need to watch our actions. We need to watch our thoughts. We need to watch our companions. We need to watch our habits. Because see, as Jesus reminds us in the New Testament, he's quoted as saying in Matthew's gospel, look, Matthew 23, 27 through 28, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which are outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Cleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Man, that's, that's like, whew, I, I mean, that's something to think about, right? We, we worry about the outside and what the world is thinking. We might look like we have it all together and that everything is great, but it, it's not. Why? Because we don't have clean hands and a pure heart. Then we see here in this next verse, the next line, who does not lift his soul to what is false to what is false so here we see a shift so we were looking at purity we're looking on the the outside but also the inside of us of are we pure and so then here as we look at the last these last two lines of verse four we see lifting up his soul is talking about trust is talking about um truthfulness about truthfulness and what's interesting is the next psalm psalm 25 Verse 1 and 2, what, is, what do we see? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let my enemies not exult over me. What are you trusting in this morning? Proverbs, trust. We know this verse. You know this. You've heard it quoted. Trust what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Then we see this morning, too, this next line, who does not swear deceitfully. Does not swear deceitfully. That has to do with our words, because our words matter. What we say matters. And sometimes we miss the mark. Sometimes we miss the mark even in church, in our relationships, in our family, in our friendships. Sometimes we miss the marks. 
Think of what Paul tells the church at Ephesus. He says what? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasions that it may find grace to those who hear. You know, really, uh, a minute ago, as as I shared that, acronym about watching, watching our words, our actions, our thoughts, our companions, our habits. What kind of led me there was I began to, there's this uh, quote that I've heard, and I began to study it, and it's attributed to all different kinds of people, right? Today, the world we live in, one of the, one of the funniest quotes, Mr. P.O., will you um, wiggle the mouse up there? Some of y'all done fell asleep, just like the MacBook. I see y'all out there sleeping. What did we miss? What did we miss? We probably didn't miss much. All right, keep going. Um, so as we think about this this morning, what's interesting about the Internet is, you know, there's this quote that I love, it's, and, and it says, you can't trust everything you see on the Internet. Abraham Lincoln. Right? Like the Internet didn't exist when Abraham Lincoln was around. And so what was interesting is I found an article, and I began to read, and it was very fascinating to me. I'm gonna go, I clipped it to read more. But here's why I share this with you, because we have to be careful, right? Things get misattributed to people. And so I want to just remind you as we think this morning about our words, why do our words matter? And why are, why are we to look inside in our hearts? Because, listen, watch your thoughts because they become what? Words. Watch your words because they become deeds. Watch your deeds because they become habits. Watch your habits because they become character, and character is everything. Character is everything. We're to watch our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our habits, because they become our character. As we think this morning about our words, can I just simply remind you as well, not only are the words that we say, they matter, it's the words that we write, it's the words that we post, It's the words that we text. It's the words that we email. Right? Our words matter. I'm thankful for a pastor who I sat under for a season, Clay Smith. And Clay Smith said this, and and, and it it pierced my heart and changed, changed how I do things. And that was this, that Christians can't do Facebook rants. Because our words reflect who Jesus are. They should reflect who Jesus is. You know, that makes me think a lot. Because it's easy. What? You see it all the time. People get on Facebook and they vague post where they make these like little comments to kind of pull you in. Because they, they want you to like get involved in their drama. They want to pull you down. Other times they go and they rant on different things. Do I miss the mark from time to time? Sure. But that's a litmus test that I use in my life and in my ministry, my online ministry that I feel that God has called me to. That I have to be careful of what I post and what I talk about. Why? Because our words matter and they should be a reflection if we say we're believers they should be a reflection of who we say jesus is the world is watching the world is watching now what i want you to see is i want us to skip to this latter half verse 7 through 10 and what's interesting about this passage is and kind of i could i could have started here but i'm going to end here is scholars believe that this psalm was used in, in worship. As David brought the ark into the temple, that this would have been a psalm that was sung. As, as you know, as we study psalms, that it's Hebrew poetry that is the prayers of God's people, but it is also the praise of God's people. It was used in worship. 
And so what's interesting here this morning is we see in verse 8 and verse 10, we see who is the king of glory. We see that twice. Also, can I make a note really quick while I'm thinking about it? That Selah at the end of that, that's an interlude or in essence, that is, we saw that again in um, after verse 6, right? The God of Jacob, Selah. And so the reason we see that there, it's, it's, a, it's a musical denotation for like a choir leader like um, Austin. But as us as believers, as we read that, it, it's, it's calling us to pause and to remember. This, what did Miss Gooley do this morning as she began to play that hymn? He had a time where she did what? Where she just played for us to reflect, for us to ponder, for us to remember, for us to call, recall. Same thing of what we see in the Psalms. But here's what's interesting, and, and I never think, I, I don't know, I've ever heard this word. Y'all, y'all's generation, y'all learn words that we don't know and vice versa. Some words I wish we didn't know, but anywho. Um, but as we look at this, what's interesting about this is, as we look at that, is that I want you to see in this last, last half, it is a time to respond. So not only is it a time to remember, is it a time to reflect, but it is a time to respond. And so here we see we, hear, we see something beautiful. It's an antiphon. What is that? In the Greek, an antiphon is what? It's the opposite and a voice. It's what we might call, and, and what I don't know if you realize, but it's actually there's several of them in our hymnal. It's what we commonly refer to as a call and response. Right? It's a form of worship known as an antiphony. As antiphony. It's a call and response. And so in essence, in your hymnal, if you, if you pull your hymnal out this morning in front of you and you turn to 669 in the back, majesty and power, you'll see, as, as, as you would have Austin or me, that we would read and then you respond. So this morning, I want you to just do that with me with this text because that's in essence what they were doing with this text as they worshiped. So I'm going to ask you the question, let's look at verse 8. And then we'll respond together in the white text. Does that make sense? Just like you would as if you were in your hymnal. So I'm going to ask the part in yellow, and then we're going to respond as a body and read verse 8. So here we go. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Right? Like that is in essence what God's people would do, and it's beautiful, right? We see it in 669 in our hymnal, but if we were to just open up the Psalms, that's what we do. Well, there is a call in response. And I think about that this morning. Why is there an antiphon? Why is there that call in response? Because, because God is calling us to respond. He's calling us to respond to his spirit and what he's speaking. If you come to church week in and week out, and you're just checking boxes, is that what God desires? No. It's a transformation of our hearts and our minds. We're to live out his word. We're to love like he does. We've talked about this verse time and time again recently. What? That they'll know us what? By our, our attendance, by our buildings, by our steeples, by our programs, by our choir. No, they'll know us by our love. They're our love for one another. You know, back to J.C. Ryle, I, I want to share, I was reading and, and just 
interested in his testimony. He was converted after hearing Ephesians 2.8, which says what? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. He, he wrote to his family a narrative of his testimony of coming to Christ. What have we talked about recently in a few messages? Does your family know your story? Do they know how you came to faith? I'd encourage you to do I had to do it in school. I shared it as we did the vision casting piece recently. What's your story? How did you come to faith? Write it down. You know what I'd love to do? I'd love to do a future project here where maybe we record that, like via audio or video, so that you could send that to your family or you could save it and, and they could have it somewhere. So then they have that. So they know your faith. They, I mean, it'd be a lot easier to do audio. Audio is a lot easier to transfer than video. It takes up a lot more space. But just think about that. I'd love to do that. I'd love to help you tell your story. But listen to J.C. Ryle's story. I think it's important for us this morning. He said, nothing can I remember to this day appeared to me so clear as the distinct as my own sinfulness, as Christ's preciousness, the value of the Bible, the absolute necessity of coming out of the world, the need of being born again, and the enormous folly of the whole doctrine of baptismal regeneration. All these things seem to flash upon me like a sunbeam in the winter of 1837 and have stuck in my mind from that time down to this. As we sang this morning, as, as, as it was in the, in the uh, you know, as the offering was being collected and saying, you know, was there, has there been a time in your life that the Lord reached down and he touched you? that he touched your heart and that you're no longer the same. J.C. J. Ryle remembers like a flash of a sunbeam. Salvation is not of our own doing. It's, it's the work of the Spirit. We can't save ourselves. He went on to say this. People may account for such a change as they like. My own belief is that what the Bible calls conversion or what the Bible calls regeneration. Before that time, I, listen to what he says. I was dead in sins and on the high road to hell. From that time, I become alive and have a hope of heaven. And nothing to my mind can account for it but the free, sovereign grace of God. Grace. Through faith is how we're saved. We, don't, we, we deserve hell, each and every one of us, me included. That's what we deserve. When you say that ain't fair, guess what? Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. We deserve hell. And we can't earn our salvation. We can't be good enough. We can't give enough. We can't attend enough. It is only by Christ and Christ alone of which we're saved. And I want to end here this morning of something. I, I, You know, church signs are an interesting thing. Y'all ever read down, wrote, wrote down the road and read church? Y'all read church signs when y'all pass other churches? Sometimes they're like so corny. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I don't go to that church. That is corny. Sometimes they're pretty creative. Like we did one at one church I was at. We made a playoff of something to do with Star Wars, and it was kind of cool. It was timely and you know, Paul spoke into the, the community around him to what people believed, and so we tied it back to Jesus. I don't even remember what it was. It was so memorable. 
not. But listen, I rode, I rode, this was over off the boulevard when I would be going to school. There's a road by the old Pepsi plant that cuts you back to Myrtle Beach Highway. I can't remember the name of that road. But there's a little Pentecostal hole in this church on that street. And I'll never forget one day I was going to school and I rode by and I looked up and I read, and this is what the sign said. Have you ever read Acts 2.38 and understood it? What? So guess what? When I got to a stopping point, I don't even know, maybe I was looking things up on my phone as I drove. I don't remember. You know, we do that from time to time. Shame on me. should not do that. I don't remember where I was, but I read that text, and I want, to end, I want to end here this morning. I want to land the plane here this morning with this question that Peter asked. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, my friends, is verse 38. But as I close, as I look that up to, to pull that text into this slide, I included verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Is he calling you this morning? They're very well. I know there's some gray hair in the crowd. I'm starting to get mine. Some of y'all just ahead of me. But listen. There might be somebody here this morning that just because you have gray hair, you don't know Jesus. That you've been trusting in a, a religion. You've been trusting in rituals. Have you put your faith, hope, and trust in Christ and Christ alone? What a great verse to remind people. Repent. Be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this morning as we come to worship, as we study Psalm 24. It is a time to remember what who God is, that he is the creator of heaven, the heaven, earth, and seas, and everything in it, that, that, that we're, just, we're, we're just managers. It's a time to reflect on our own hearts, on our actions, on our words, our deeds, what we're saying, what we're doing. And then last but not least this morning, as we talked about it, it is a call, it is a time to respond. We did that this morning as we read that verse, but he's calling you this morning to respond. I don't know what he's calling you to respond to. I'm not sure what sin he might have like sat down and his spirit touched you and said, you know what, you need, to, you need to work on this. I need ownership of this area in your life and in your heart. He might be calling you this morning to forgive someone. He might be calling you this morning to have a conversation with someone and ask for their forgiveness or ask for them to help you through a hard spot, to pray with you. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but I will tell you this, just like we've seen, and and I can only tell you what I've seen and heard. Have a conversation with someone else. Of what God, you, you first we've got to have a conversation with God, but we've got to have conversations with one another. And so I invite you this morning into conversations with one another, with a conversation with me, with Austin, with one of the deacons, right? Like it doesn't have to just be us. We've seen that recently with a, with a young family. They, they, that man of God, he, he called his family and, and, and saved his family from hell. He, he did that under the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He didn't call Austin. He didn't call myself. He, he let the Lord lead him in that. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
So you get along with the Lord, you get along with a friend, you call us, you call somebody else you know. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but he's calling you to respond. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, as we dive into it, it is so rich. Lord, it is, it is so great. Father, I thank you this morning as we've come together that you have just called us to remember who you are. As Buster would pray, Lord, you're the maker of the heaven, earth, and seas, and everything in it. Father, thank you for that reminder. Thank you, that's who I worship. That's who I serve. That's who saved me. Lord, that's who owns me, owns everything I have, owns everything I see, and we're just managers. Father, thank you this morning for that time of reflection, for us to look inwardly. Lord, we might look great on the outside, but Father, what, how do we look on the inside? Lord, are we full of death and decay and, and envy and jealousy and strife? Or God, are we, are we filled with your spirit and joy and peace and presence? Father, as we saw as that antiphon, Lord, of just of, of, of having a time of call and response, Lord, you're calling, will we respond? And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would give that one who, who, is, who is afraid to take that next step, to, to, to walk into that fear and unknown, to walk into that difficult conversation, to walk into a, to a conversation and say, I need help, will you help me? Whether that's with you or one of us, Father, I pray that you give them the courage to step into that. To step into what you are calling them, who you are calling them to be, so that you can transform their hearts and their lives, that you may be glorified through their lives, through their actions, through their thoughts, through their words, through their deeds. Father, I pray this morning as we leave this place, help us to wrestle with what we've heard, Help us to pray it back to you. Help us to share something we've learned with someone else who's coming behind us and point them to you. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. And and all God's people said, amen.